All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 37 of the Kill Your Internet podcast. With you, as always, is your boy Colin. We got Ken with us today as well. How's it going, everyone? It's good. Uh, presented by High Brew Coffee. You can grab triple shots at Wawa now. So Philadelphia, you have your marching orders. Head over to Wawa, grab triple shots from High Brew. You can also order them online. Uh, get 10% off of 12 packs by using promo code FOXTROT on the website. Uh, shouts out to High Brew Coffee for the sponsorship. Uh, Kenny, busy week, man. We got interviews all over the place. We've been doing pre-production for the next song. We've been getting ready. I've been putting together the documentary for the next single, which is hilarious. All that footage from the studio yeah, is awesome nuts. Yeah, that footage on Instagram. Oh, my God. We, we tell the story on, on our story right now of uh, us, um, not us, Jimmy, almost fighting one of the kids from One Direction. I'm going to leave that up for another day because I, I, I like literally was going to post the whole thing, and I was like, I can't post this because somebody might see it and send it to one of the One Direction people, and then, then it's just a brawl, and I don't want to get into that. Well, One Direction's broken up, so... Oh, okay. I could take them individually. Yeah. It would <laughs> Except for Harry direction. Styles. We've said this already. Well, Harry Styles is off. Yeah, he, stays, he Harry, stays away. You're good. Yeah, yeah Harry, you got you, you got the pass, bro. Uh, dude, so I've been having this thought today kind of about, you know, the interviews we've been, we've been doing and talking about this a lot, but I'm so thankful the podcast is in our lives now. It's a, it's a thing where I've been talking a lot about kind of like, you know, going the independent route and not having a, a record deal with a major label or anything like that. I feel like this is just like the future. I feel like we're really thinking outside the box and it's going to like connect us to things that are really going to take us to another level. It just kind of feels right. I don't know. Well, I think we've always been heading like I, we've always been capable of this and it's a thing where I think we have the personality to do it. I don't think not every band does. I, I feel like this is just us. It's who we are. Yeah, it's authentically us and like I know you're not a TikTok guy. Yeah. Not, you have to make more content I think besides the music these days. Well, yeah, it, it's it's all it's all about finding us. how you can present yourself in the best way possible. But not only that, we we've talked to people that I wouldn't have expected to talk to. I mean, on the podcast today, of course, we have our sports update from uh, White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports, good buddy of ours. By the way, shout out to Barstool for opening an office in a city that deserves it, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hey. Oh, man, the content we will make with them. Uh, also, we have Happy Fits, uh, amazing band from New Jersey who have an album dropping tomorrow. Uh, you have to check that out. Amazing band. Uh, so stick around for those. But but no, I, I just feel like we are outside-the-box people. And honestly, we've always kind of gone against the grain. And I never wanted to do the things that like I feel like major label artists have to do. And they're so boxed in and they have to act a certain way. And we're idiots. I don't know how to say it. Like we're idiots and we're going to be ourselves. And I feel like from time to time we've had to, we've been told kind of like, you know, you can't do certain shit. I'm no, going to we'll do, do it. Certain shit. Yeah, I'm going to do certain shit. So that's just who we are. Either way, man, 37 episodes in, a million more to come. Uh we have amazing interviews already lined up for next week. Kenny, we're going to go right into the wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. Uh let's do Ken's Twitter update. Ken just rejoined Twitter. So Ken, give me something you've seen today. So, I think I saw this recently, not today, but did you see this? I think it was in the New York Post. Some wired editor, I believe she is. I forget her name. She wrote a whole thing on texting etiquette and how millennials and Gen Gen Z, is it right? Yeah, Gen Z. Are triggered by periods. And we shouldn't <laughs> end sentences with periods because they're triggering and can be offensive. It's like that thing from PMT where they're like, Are you are you in the right headspace to accept bad news right now? No. Look, a period is a punctuation mark. It's gonna be at the end of sentences. That's all I we can't change that. That's just how it is. And if I meet you and you tell me that period is offensive, then <laughs> <laughs> I think rough. we hit our breaking point of punctuation is something that we can no longer do because it, it, it's 
too triggering and to some also people. Get rid of voicemails, which I I understand. Voicemails aren't really used that much anymore. Also, you don't ever get a good voicemail. There's never a situation where you look at your phone and you see a voicemail and it's something good happening. It's usually like a bill collector or somebody trying to sell you insurance. Plus, like first off, they have the text reading now. So you yeah, I always do that. Before. I've gotten so many opportunities to cancel my student loans apparently (laughs) if i had a dollar for every time somebody called me to ask me about the warranty on my car you know what's also tricky you know what telemarketers are doing now i don't know how they do this but they have like a phone number that will call you that's like one digit off from your phone number like all the time i was literally about to say my phone number on the podcast but like it'll be like a digit off and i'll be like Eh, wait a second, that doesn't look right. So, no. Hello, fuck. is this me? <laughs> Colin, it's you from the future. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. Uh, why is that what the New York Post is talking about? I, there's there's I, so many real world things to be talking about right it's now. The New York Post, it's know. the New York Post, who knows? Uh, so let's go into my first wildest shit that we've seen on the internet. Bella Thorne joins OnlyFans. So... If you're not aware of what OnlyFans is, it's basically it was designed as a website that basically put a paywall up between you and people who want to see your content. And then porn stars started using it and using it as kind of like a like a pay for play situation there. Uh, but Bella Thorne, who was like a Disney Channel actress, and then she wound up being an actress, and then she made an OnlyFans. And I I have no more information than that, but I, I do. She, she made a million dollars in one. day. She made a million dollars in one day. You know what? Good for you, girl. Do look if people are gonna pay you a million dollars to do something in one day. It's got to be the. I mean, I know the lottery, and obviously, is the quickest way to win it. Yeah, but to do like I guess an honest day's work. Look, man, I no shame, no shame in her game, dude. Do what you gotta do. If people are willing to pay you to do something, it's a job. I don't know what else to tell you. It's, look, I, you're never gonna see my feet on there or anything like that. It's not my bag. But if it's your bag, go for it. I'm not here to judge. Um, other than that, Ken, I saw one that I thought you would really like, Kevin Durant. Back okay. at it again. Have you heard about this? No. Is it with his burner <laughs> account or something? <laughs> he did a he did a, an interview where he was talking about. Uh, he was like, I loved having burner accounts. He's like, I still have burner accounts. They took something away from me that I loved. <laughs> I love to have burner accounts. Why is that? Like, he's like, you know what, man? If there's one thing I could do in this world, it's just have. Well, you know what? That actually makes sense. Just for him to have anonymity online mm-hmm. and just talk some nonsense. Why not? But I mean, in the context that he was doing, it seemed kind of weird, but. I respect it because it's not like he's trying to deny the burner accounts. He's yeah. fully embracing it. He's not Jerry Colangelo. <laughs> yeah. Get a new slant or whatever. The collars are fun. Get a new slant. <laughs> it was funny. Just because you brought that up. I didn't realize his collars until I saw that. Oh, my God. They like, were gaudy. Oh they God, were outrageous. <laughs> Tony Hawk can drop in on that. It looked like uh, Burt Reynolds' cowboy hat on Saturday Night Live is Turd <laughs> Ferguson. He had the big cowboy hat, and Jerry Colangelo had the giant collars, dude. But, no, I saw the Kevin Durant thing, and I instantaneously just started dying laughing. I have to get Kevin Durant credit. To be able to admit that you have burner accounts and you love them that much, Go ahead, buddy. Burner account all the way to, to the cows come home. I don't care. But just like to get caught and then be like, man, they took those away from me. <laughs> but you know what? I made more, so just watch out. I don't know, man. Shout out to Kevin Durant. Um, Kenny, let's go into our uh, what the fuck we've been listening to. I'll let you start it off this time. So I'll start off with some Umphy McGee's. Ooh, um, getting a little jam, baby. Mantis, the song Mantis. I, they're just awesome. They're yeah. kind of like a... I guess prog rock fish. Yeah, they're they're like a prog rock um, jam band. I've seen like live videos of them from Hangout Fest. They're awesome. Dope. Live musicians. Yeah. Dope, man. Yeah, they're they're a band that has like those like kind of like fervent followers that 
they're a bunch of wooks, but like they follow Rabbit him around. Rabbit fan base. Rabbit yeah. fan base. Rabbit drug loving fan base. Shouts out to Humphreys McGee. Did you also know that they did the theme song for Around the Horn for a little bit? No. That one that had like the dual guitar intro. Yeah. That was them. Because did you ever see um, Trombone Shorty doing the? Uh, he did the intro to Scott Van Pelt's uh, Sports Center. Oh really? Yeah. The song Hurricane Season, which I love. I've seen I've seen Trombone Shorty live open for Zach Brown. It was awesome, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, shout out to Humphreys McGee. My first one is in a totally different direction. I picked Polo G, rapper out of Chicago. I He's one of those dudes that, like, he's one of the new crop of, of rappers. And I had a conversation with Alexander Charles earlier this week on the podcast about kind of like everybody sounding the same and doing the same thing over and over again. So I was, like, apprehensive going into it. Uh, also, his album is called The Goat, and it's a, a picture of him with goat horns on it, like, like with actual nice. horns. Literal. <laughs> Very literal. And I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And then I listened to it, and like the first 10 seconds, I was like, whatever. And then he started rapping, and I was like, damn it, I love this. So <laughs> shout out to Polo G. I picked a song 21. He's also got a couple good songs with Juice World. So Polo G, also an XXL freshman of the year. So uh, Kenny, what's your second? My second, I'm going to stick with the Killers album because... Why not? It's a masterpiece. It's that good. I actually, the title track at the end, Imploding the Murder. It's probably my favorite. I know I picked Dying Breathe last time, but that song's like so catchy and that Springsteen kind of chorus. They just made something special this time, dude. I I, I, literally, I told Ken when I came in here, it's all I've been listening to. Like, I I ran, not to brag, but I ran like five miles today and all I did, I just listened to the Killers album all the way through. I also got past the Killers album because. Well, it was five miles, and I wasn't running that fast. So, uh, it's always nice when you find an album that, like, you know, after one listen, it's like this is going to be. This is a good running album, yeah. And I mean, that's just like, it's very like the drums are good driving drums to run to. Driving killer songs, yeah. I I listen to a lot of Tom Petty when I run too. It's it's I like to listen to like random kind of like chill shit when I when I work out because I'm already so excited and I have to like zone in. So. I like podcasts when I run. It like the Kill Your Internet podcast, uh, presented by Foxtrot and the Get Down and Hybrid Coffee. Uh, my second one is a classic, and this is a great story for me and Ken's past. I picked Jesus of Suburbia by Green Day. Oh, yes, the nine-minute masterpiece. Nine-minute nine masterpiece. So let me tell this story. So when me and Ken were in college, we were a three-piece band, uh, and we were playing cover shows on the weekend at bars to pay for our first EP. And uh, shouts out to the Lamplighter in Delco. Jack Quinn's Lamplighter. And uh, one night we decided it'd be cool as a three-piece to play a nine-minute song with five different songs within it, Jesus of Suburbia. Uh, we messed it up, and then uh, I apologized, and then we followed up with uh, only want to be with you by Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, about two minutes into that song, somebody moved in front of me, and I saw a Bud Light bottle hurling at my face, <laughs> and I got smoked in the Bud Light by some drunk dude at the bar because we messed up Jesus of Suburbia. So that'll always be burnt in my memory. Is probably my favorite and least favorite show memory of all time. Yeah, and it, you know it had to be because of Jesus of Suburbia because no one's throwing a bottle <laughs> at you because you're playing Hootie because everyone loves Hootie. I used to love doing that the Hootie the Bluefish song because I tried to do Darius Rucker's accent. I was like, you and me, we come from different worlds. So I was kind of Creed, actually. <laughs> uh, Ken, what's your third? Last one, we're going to go local guy we both know. Um, going to go Ken's our gay corner. Um, makes sense because White Sox Dave is on the podcast. Oh, so yeah, White Sox Dave's a big reggae another, guy. We'll do the official reggae club of guys who like reggae music that don't smoke weed. Yeah, Ken's reggae <laughs> club of non-stoners. <laughs> um, Mike Pinto. Oh, shout out Mike Pinto. Morris, Morrisville's own. Um, Man's out there dominating on the West Coast. So 
Tricky Nicky off Little District. I was listening to Little District today. That is such a good album. Dude, that was like when me and Ken first met each other. Like, I was nothing but, like, not, we were both nothing but, like, reggae. We were freshmen in college. So, like, of course, we're trying to do that. And then, but Mike Pinto, Tricky Nicky, Bad Luck. Bad Luck's such a good song. Yeah. Shouts out Mike Pinto, dude. Great pick. Yeah, he's solid. Now, are you doing the electric or the acoustic version? Um, electric. Ah, there yeah. you go. There you go. Uh, my last one, also a local pick. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mo Lauda and the Humble. Guys that like have come up at the same time as us. We ran and like it's weird because we're almost in the same type of music, but they they are touring animals. They have amazing stats on Spotify. Great music, good people, man. And I picked the song New Tide off their record Creatures. Just a great band. Uh hopefully having I can't say for for sure right now, but mm-hmm. uh Jordan, their lead singer, just put out a, a, a solo. He's putting out a solo record currently right now, and I've had some discussion about possibly getting him on the podcast. So, uh, shout out to Mo Lauda. Ken, we got two really good interviews coming up. Um, other than that, I just I just want to once again give a shout out to High Brew Coffee. Uh, once again, use promo code Foxtrot on their website for ten percent off of twelve packs of their triple shot. Grab it at Wawa. It's right there. Philadelphia, you know you go to Wawa. Jersey, you know you go to Wawa. Everybody up the East Coast, you know you go to Wawa. Grab the hybrid triple shot. Uh, Kenny, busy week coming up once again. Um, we're going to be back in the studio next week. Eric's back. Uh, and we'll have Roast Malone bo- back next week as yes, well. So The return of Roast. The return of Roast Malone. It's going to be magical. Uh, we're going to start off with our sports update from White Sox Dave and head over to the Happy Fits. Kenny, any last words? Nah, man. I think you got it all covered. Boom. Fuck you guys. We love you. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for what seems to be a monthly occurrence now, we have our sports update with White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports. Dave, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, coming off about 24 hours ago, White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolito uh, threw no-hitter. And um, I've been getting congratulations all day on Twitter and with my coworkers as if I had anything at all to do with it and didn't just watch it. From my ass on my couch. Yeah, but you know what though? Like when you're the guy, when you're the White Sox guy, they're gonna give you the love because you've been a loyal supporter when you guys were atrocious, and now you're sitting pretty right now. So what are you guys right now? You're like 19 and 12. You're like right in, right right around the Twins, right? Yeah, they're uh, they're a half game back. Uh, I don't know if the Twins play tonight. I just got home from the office and I didn't didn't check yet. But um, half game back, the Twins. Uh, they've won nine of ten. They're firing on all cylinders. Bullpen's been absolutely unhittable. Starting pitching at the first week or so, it was bad, and now it's back to being what we thought it would be as fans. And then the offense is just unstoppable right now. Like Jose Abreu. Oh, my uh, God. Three games against the Cubs. Uh, he hit another one today. He's, like, on an MVP pace. I was going to say, too, because his rookie year, he was, like, a phenom, and then you thought he might have topped out, and then all of a sudden he's just mashing again. And, I mean, you got to look at your team because a lot of it's homegrown. I mean, your shortstop's an absolute monster. Abreu's a beast. Giolito looks like he's probably going to wind up being your ace. So, I mean, you you got to be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I, I, I've been preaching that this was going to be the year for five – well, since they traded Chris Sale. So since uh, 2016, I remember the exact date. It was December 6th. <laughs> That's how dark that time was for me. Then I remember the date that the trade went down. But uh, um, I was warning everybody, like, 2020, they're gonna be, that's going to be the year. And everyone's like, oh, you're an idiot. Like, look how much they're losing. I'm like, yeah, well, they're kind of losing intentionally right now. Yeah. They wouldn't outright say that they're losing intentionally, but that's what they're doing. And uh, – They've been – and here they are. They're 19-12, and, and it's not like some fluke 
weird 19 and 12 record. Like we saw Baltimore start off pretty hot. Uh, Detroit started off pretty hot. That's not going to last. <laughs> those aren't going to last. But this is like very s- sustainable because of one, their youth. Two, they're locked up long term. Like every core piece is going to be Which is so smart. They, how they built this roster is magnificent. And, yeah. um, and there's a, a ton of room to add. They got $33 million coming off the books again next year. So if they why, wanna- why is it that? the Cubs can seem to attract these free agents. And is it like the lore of Wrigley or whatever the fuck it is? Cause it's the same city, but they seem to poach all the free agents. I don't yeah. understand. It. Like people talk about that as if like, Oh, no one wants to play in the South side of Chicago. Okay. From the loop, which is like our downtown area, you get yeah. to where Sox park where they play in 15 minutes from Wrigley. You get there in 15 minutes. It's not like you're living in these rundown neighborhoods, like miles and miles from all the fun and all the great restaurants and, and attractions that Chicago has to offer. You're living in all the same places the Cubs are living, the Blackhawks are living, the Bulls. It's all the exact same thing. Yeah. Go to a different side of the city for your home park. And um, But the Cubs have gotten these free agents because they've been willing to spend the money on them. Our, our, our owner is notoriously uh, – Is it Reinsdorf? Yeah, it's Jerry Reinsdorf. Oh, Everybody knows him from his Bulls. Right. I mean, he was the owner of the Bulls when Michael – or he is the owner of the Bulls. And was – he had Michael Jordan, you know, six championships, uh, global brand. Uh, the White Sox had 2005 when they won the World Series. And, um, and, and yeah, the, like, but he doesn't spend, like, at the top of the market, which has been our biggest gripes with him as fans. But now, like, now I think he might be more inclined to – since they're one, like, Mookie Betts deal away from having the roster that they need to compete for the next decade. Well, what do you think the piece is? Like, what would you go after in a free agent scenario? Because is it more pitching? Is it – because it seems like the offense is firing. Yeah. This, this winter I would have gone after Mookie, Mookie Betts because uh, Nomar Mazzara – excuse me, Nomar Mazzara is their one, like, hole in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, he stinks. I mean, they, he was fine on a flyer deal because they're not paying them anything. Yeah, you got to have the one piece in the lineup that you're not giving a ton of money. Yeah, they're not paying him anything. He's only 24 years old, and but he's just – he's not good. And uh, I, you could call him a bust at this point, but it was whatever. Who knows? He might have ran into 40 home runs in a normal year. Yeah. But uh, they can just cut bait with him. So I, I would have gone after Mookie Betts and paid him whatever he wanted, and that would have been your team for the next, you know, decade. Yeah. But now I'd be more inclined to go after someone like Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, make a trade for a legit bona fide starting pitcher from a team who's rebuilding or maybe looking to rebuild. I don't know what Boston doesn't have anything to offer. Maybe, you know. Like Rick Porcello maybe, but at the same time, like that's a recycled piece. Of it. And the, but the, the Mets are interesting because they stink and they got all these pieces. That, like they could trade the ground and get a King's ransom for him, for Syndergaard. For you could get a nice, you know, back end piece for Porcello because he's dependable. But uh, I mean, we, we we tried the Mets route, and Zach Wheeler's not a bad piece. But I I mean, regardless, like I'm looking at our situation as compared to your situation, and we have so many guys that we missed on. Like Reese Hoskins is turning out to be a middle of the road guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all of our outfield prospects since Dominic Brown. I mean, Roman Quinn is meh. Adam Hazley's meh, and it seems like you guys right now are hitting on a lot. I mean, between Abreu, I mean the whole team. It seems like a lot of your guys are homegrown. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Uh, the I mean, Mikata, he spent time in the 
White Sox minor league system, but it wasn't much time. Uh, he was basically big league ready when they traded Selfie. Right. Uh, Kopech, he opted out this year, but he's – saw that. Um, then, I mean, Eloy was the trade with the Cubs. Uh, Anderson's homegrown. They drafted, developed him, and he's turned into just a perfect base of the franchise. Just a stud. He's a stud. I love him. He's, he's great. He's everything you want out of a shortstop. He's everything you want out of a shortstop, and he's everything that you want out of, like, the face of the club. He's oh, yeah. great community. Everybody loves him. No one has a single bad word to say about him. I don't, I don't see him ever playing for another team. I really yeah. don't. I think he'll be, like, our, you know, version of Derek Jeter. I mean, he's got the attitude, too. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's a fucking leader. I like that a lot. He's a leader. He, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. And he keeps getting better and better and better. I, I would have never in a million years said that, you know, he was going to lead the league in hitting and then turn around and have an even better year the next year because he's having a better year. This See, year. And I, I'm looking at shortstops around the league, and there's one guy that we moved on from because we didn't think he could hit who's shining out in Seattle. J.P. Crawford's having a great year. And we, we can't get anything right, dude, besides Harper and Real Muto, who, by the way, Real Muto still not signed to next year. I don't know what the fuck is going on with the Phillies. So, I, you know what? I came on here. If last night wouldn't have happened with, with the no-hitter, I was ready to talk about Phillies being a disappointment, the Sixers getting blown out and now restructuring the entire team, the Blackhawks getting knocked out, the Bulls not making the, the bubble, and then uh, your running back, Montgomery, gets hurt today too. He got hurt today. I, I haven't gotten any updates on that, but I apparently he has not torn anything. Which- oh, that's good. So I think it's just like a bad hamstring pull or something, hopefully, which is obviously you don't want your running back's hamstring getting blown out. But from what I understand, it's not like anything long-term season-ending. This year is so weird, too, with the NFL because I hate the preseason, but like for the players, I feel like at least two games would be necessary to get your feet wet, especially when you have a lot of new people in the system. They play in two and a half weeks. It's insane. It doesn't even feel like the NFL is close. I can't wrap my head around it. Well, I mean, because, two, you'd usually be done with baseball by, like, by, you know, mid-September, late September, and then you'd be able to focus on the Bears. Right now, you're going to have everything on your plate at one time. Yeah, the, I mean, the Cubs are – the Cubs division stinks. Yep. They're absolutely winning – or at least going to the playoffs at the very worst, even though they're not playing well right now. This will be the first time since 2008, only the second time in my lifetime, unless all hell breaks loose, where the Cubs and Sox are both in the playoffs at the exact same time. And that's what we've been waiting for. That's why we started our podcast, which turned into a serious show four years ago, because we knew that the Cubs were here to stay. They were going to be winning, if not World Series, at least multiple divisions in a row. And then in a handful of years, the White Sox were going to be good. So there was going to be a moment in time when both teams were good at the exact same time, which Chicago doesn't see. Well, it's fun. It's fun to it's fun too to watch everybody on red line like you and Carl like going back and forth because you guys are split down the middle. Like right now, what's the vibe in Chicago with everything that's going on? Oh, there's a huge White Sox buzz right now, and and I know we don't have the national you know fanfare or recognition, which is it it, it rubs a lot of Sox fans the wrong way. But in Chicago, it's like a fifty fifty split. You're either a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, and you hate the other team. Yeah. So right now, the the like the White Sox fans are coming out of, they're like cicadas kind of, we're <laughs> sleeping under the grass for, or the, in, the, in the trees or whatever for the last few years. And now we're just buzzing. We're just loud. We're obnoxious. Yeah. And if you follow like any baseball insiders online, like every, like every like week now, it's like, yo, watch out for the White Sox. They're getting hot. They're getting hot. 
I'm envious because I got nothing going on here. Nobody gives a shit right now because the Phillies have been such a disappointment for years. The, like, I didn't like what the Phillies did because I thought they, like, they were more than just a JT Real, Real Muto away from being, like, legitimate, legitimate contenders. Like, I, their farm's, like, still mediocre. We, I mean, we exhausted so much of it for, for everybody. We exhausted it. I mean, Spencer Howard was the last piece to bring up, and now he's coming up. We sent Benny Velasquez down. We traded the rest of our staff away. I don't know, I don't know what to think, honestly, because I just don't think they have a plan. I think they're in panic mode right now, and I think Clintac and McPhail are, like, on the chopping block. So they're like, what can we do to make something out of this year and sneak in in an 18 playoff? That's what I'm saying. Like, Klintak, I, I think he just, like, blew his load a little too early. Yeah. And it, like, because baseball's, like, it's hard to have sustained success in baseball for many different reasons, money being the biggest, I would say, because, like, the Moneyball quote, there's rich teams and there's poor teams, then there's 10 miles of shit, and then there's a lot of other teams. Obviously, the, the Phillies do have money. Yep. But with the luxury tax rules and everything, the the uh, – like, the teams aren't just spending everything you can possibly spend on players anymore. And when you do kind of max out and you still have holes to fill, then you're screwing yourself over, which is what I feel like the, the Phillies did. Well, yeah, and the, all the talk on Sports Talk in Philly is the fact that Middleton has all this money and talked about spending stupid money, and then all of a sudden we can't even get him to commit to signing the best catcher in baseball. So it's one of these things to where I think they've missed – I don't know if misled, but rep, misrepresent, misrepresented what they wanted to do. So I don't fucking know, dude. I'm just happy for you guys because I really enjoy watching the White Sox team. And, like, looking at that division too, there's three good teams in that division. And you could see – I think it's going to come down to the White Sox and it's going to come down to the Twins because the twins can fucking mash. So no, their, their offense is awesome. Yeah. What what do you what do you see as far as the American League moving forward? Because I, I mean you have the Yankees, uh, the Rays are playing good ball, and then out west I don't really know what's going on. And then the Central is 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 tied up. So I mean, what do you see going forward? I mean, move, like all right, we'll we'll talk this year and then moving forward. Obviously, the Yankees are they're going to be World Series. They are World Series favorites favorites in uh, Vegas right now. Uh, the Rays, I think, are the best organization in baseball. I like but that Rays team. With, with how little money they have to spend is incredible. Obviously, they're going to have to deal with those, you know, few years, like once every five, six years, where they where they win 60 games. But next thing you know, a year or two later, they retooled, and they're, they're every bit as good as the Yankees, who have a $250 million payroll. It makes no sense. Why can why can a small market team like that scout? And for some reason, we're the fourth biggest media market in the country. We can't fucking do it. I don't understand it. They're the smartest organization in baseball. They run like a well-oiled machine. What they do is honestly incredible behind the scenes. They're good, too, because they cut bait. Like, when Longoria was done, they got rid of Longoria. They didn't hold on. They didn't try and, like, recapture some past glory. Not to mention, they have two of my boys on the team. Brian O'Grady and Joey Wendell are playing for the Rays. So, I'm a Rays guy right now. They're, they're, I love watching them play. I love their, their brand and their style of baseball. I wish they had, like – because the Tampa, that's a pretty decent sports market. The Bay yeah. or the Gulf, the Gulf Coast there or whatever they call it down there. And if they had, like, a legit stadium, like a nice Florida outdoor stadium, I think they'd do really well attendance-wise. I agree. I don't know field. I've actually heard it's not as bad as it looks, but it doesn't look – I mean, it doesn't look like a destination. And, I mean, dude, I remember when Wade Boggs played, like, a season or two for them, and it was the same goddamn stadium. Like, you got to upgrade at some point. But, I mean, I, I'm – They were before they were even a 
it's not like they built it for the Rays. Yeah. Yeah, that's a multi-purpose stadium. Yeah. But, I mean, so so obviously the AL East, it's it's weird not to see the Red Sox over there, but I'm okay with that. Fuck the Red Sox. Um, I shouldn't be saying that to Barstow. I feel like I'm going to wind up my head on a platter. Um, But – and then the Central, what do you what do you see moving forward? How do you think it's going to shake out? I mean, I the smart money, non biased way to say who would win, who will win the Central this year, is still the Twins because they've been there one, two. They're, I mean, they're not going to see growing pains because they're not that young. They have young guys in the raw on the in the lineup, but um, they they're not bad at the same time. They're like they they have they don't have so much young talent where you're not going to see um like struggles like you right. will see with the white Sox. so yeah the central's obviously obviously tough but we need to look even towards the west now who knows the angels could wind up pulling it out because they have talent and then the a's are always scrappy who knows with the west you know what i mean, I mean the a's are like or the well the a's are awesome they're in this a similar mold from tampa where they win in spite of being poor and i love teams like that because they out Thank you instead of out, you know, beating you to a pulp on the field. And that's how they operate. And they've seen a ton of success. Uh, the angels are so weird right now. Cause so weird. They, I mean, they got run, they got run down this winter. They have, you know, Otani who they have, they're not paying him anything. They're paying him like 600,000 or whatever it is. And they like, they're, they're just awful. So who knows? Like if I'm them, what do you do? You can't really buy because they have all these bad contracts on the books already. Yep. With Pujols, Trout, well, Trout's obviously not a bad contract. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to pay Otani next year. Which I don't know. Do, do, you, do you pay him, though? Because, I mean, honestly, he gives you DH time, but, like, you can't trust him as an arm right now. He keeps getting but hurt. You can't trust him as an arm at all. Um, they, I mean, they have control of him for the next three years through arbitration, but instead of making 600000 next year, he'll make, you know, $6 million or whatever it is. Yeah. So – I mean, he's getting a hefty pay raise. Um, and then Rendon, that's a huge – that's a $35 million AV deal. So, what do they do? It's crazy to me to give the third baseman that much money. Like, even Machado, who went, who we thought we were going to buy on, he went up going, that San Diego team's fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. What do you uh, think about the whole unwritten rules of baseball thing going on with, uh, with Tatis right now? I, I can't believe um, – what their manager, Jace Tingle – Yo, he he sold he sold Tatis up the river. Asshole! Like who wants to play for that guy? You're you're gonna tell free agents moving forward that hey, you're gonna play for this guy that will make you apologize for hitting home runs. Like this is my thought. If like I said, this Giolito had an awesome start uh, prior to the no hitter, so five or six days ago, like when all that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. stuff was going down, and. Uh, it was like the seventh or eighth inning. They're up by like 10 runs. He had an 0-2 count and he struck the hitter out. Yeah. What's he supposed to do? Not strike you out? That's my point. Like you can't fault a guy. If you throw a meatball three, Oh, I don't care what the score is. I'm swinging. Like that's baseball. Like if you're, if you're in that situation, you put yourself in that situation. You don't blame the hitter. No, not at all. And it's, it's not, he did nothing wrong at all. And Trevor Bauer, I know Trevor Bauer's an acquired taste because of how he is on social media. But, um, like, he, he said that the only thing that Fernando Tatis Jr. should be apologizing for is that he even made the apology. 
Yeah, you, you should never have to apologize for doing your job. And no. this isn't little league. This isn't even high school or college baseball, dude. 3-0, you're throwing me a meatball, and I'm the one of the best players in baseball. I'm swinging. I don't care what the score is. Swing out of your shoes and hit the ball to the moon. It's, and and he it's not even like he showed the, the pitcher up or anything. He didn't pimp it out. And even then, like, I don't think you should be throwing at anybody. No. But, but it's not like he did that. He just put a good swing. And this is the other thing. It's not like – you can hit a home run on command. No. So even if, like, wh- what happens if he swings 3-0 and he grounds out? Exactly. Like, then he looks like the asshole for swinging 3-0. But at the same time, you swing 3-0, you put a good swing on the ball, and it goes out of the ballpark. If you're the pitcher, move on. You guys already lost. What's the difference? Exactly. It, it's, the whole thing was ridiculous. Um, I, I mean, I think it's going to change because we're in a new age of baseball. But – um. The, the whole thing, it just it was, it was ridiculous. It was, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who, by the way, should be the shortstop for the White Sox right now. Did you guys have control of him? Dude, they fucking signed him for nothing out of, out of uh, the Dominican. Oh, my God. They traded him for James Shields the day after Shields gave up that bomb to Bartolo Colon. Oh. The last thing we cared about, but now yeah. it's all you kind of have to. So, I mean, we were, that's the only way we're able to get our shit out there right now. We can't go play shows unless you're lucky enough to get a drive-in spot. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, it's definitely like I love to watch bands that aren't afraid to just be themselves on social media, and it's not all black and white pictures where everybody's staring in opposite directions on a hill. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> He's got the face going. Yeah. I guess, like, we never perceived ourselves as, like, cool people because we're in a band. We yeah. always just really enjoyed it, and we enjoyed – like yeah, like uh, engaging with people and talking yeah. to them, especially if they think what you're doing is dope. You know, it's like yeah, it's like yeah, we're super lucky. With they they like us because they they think what we're doing is cool, and we're like we're not gonna just like act like we don't care and like. That's my man. That's the fucking right answer. Like we had a we had like an epiphany like two years ago to where we had been spending a lot of time in Nashville and a ton of time out on the road, and we just snapped out of it one day and we're like, dude. We're six assholes from Philadelphia. Can we just be that? Like, let's just yeah. be that. Like, and uh, ever since then, every good thing that's happened to us, all festivals, tours, radio, all that shit has happened because we became ourselves. And it's like, I feel so lucky. Like, I'm a dude, like, if you look over the side over here, I got my wedding pictures on the wall. I'm not going to act like, like I'm not some, like, I'm a homebody. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a fucking Philly. Like, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> But how are you How are you guys kind of handling – like, do you feel like your writing has changed over quarantine or do you guys feel like you're still kind of in the same spot you were? Definitely, like, I think with the, the recent Black Lives Matter movement, that definitely put a lot of stuff in perspective for me because a lot – I learned so much and, you know, I'm still trying to educate myself. But I, I don't know. It's hard to continue writing songs about, like, a love life that I had in you know sophomore year yeah 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 it doesn't seem like it's worth it anymore there's bigger things that we can talk about um and you know kind of use our platform um for the better so I've been trying to more lately you know find bands that talk about more social issues like you know idols we had a conversation on last week's episode um with Katie Feeney who who's a singer from Philadelphia and she was saying that she's been writing a lot more from that perspective. And we've been active on social media and talk. We had a lot of people on the podcast too. We've had long discussions about everything going on in America right now, black lives matter movement and, and, and even the election coming up, but it's more of like, I asked her because I, I, I found it hard to put everything going on into words. 
I've, I've yeah. been able to, I've been able to write that way. Maybe that's just me as a songwriter, but we've been active in other ways. Have you been able to kind of incorporate your feelings on that through song? Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to, it's just like, you know, sometimes I'll think of like a good lyric and I'll be like, Oh, that's applicable. But then it's also like, it's, you can only say so much in one song that you might be leaving some information out and that, you know, some people might find that, you know, like offensive. Absolutely. And I mean, we, we all have to, we have to be cognizant of everybody else's feelings as well. And the one thing I really will give you guys credit for, even when I went on your website to do a little bit of research before you have links at the bottom of your website and we've mm-hmm. done a lot of, especially Will, our saxophone player, is very involved in, in um, promoting bailout funds and things like that. More than anything, I think we've all taken time. We had a conversation with our friend DJ Move, who was on um, for a conversation about this earlier in quarantine. And he said, basically, like, I asked him, like, what do you think the difference is this time? Like, why is this time actually the point getting across? And he said, we all, there was no distractions. We all had to kind of look ourselves in the mirror and look at what was going on and face it. And uh, I, I really think we've all learned a lot in this perspective and you're seeing a lot more action and not as much, not as many words. You know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. I mean, it's like, you think about like all the great bands that, you know, are famous for their like writings on like, you know, peace and like anti-war, like, you know, mm-hmm. Beatles, Jimi Hendrix and all that. And it's like, I, I always like view them as like, just like really great artists that like solved these social issues and then yeah. when the black lives matter thing happened i realized how much of a bubble i've been living in like yeah, none of that has actually been too. solved it's still actually going on and it's, it's an issue that ever it's gonna it can never be you know it can't be solved unless we actively all try and get our and get our hands dirty you know what i mean so yeah. and what you guys are doing is great and i mean it, it's been amazing to kind of see so many like nba players and and bands and artists rappers everybody is kind of rallying together and, but obviously there's still so much to be done. And yeah. uh, I, but I will give you guys credit. You guys have done an amazing job with that. I've been interested to find out like different songwriters perspectives on whether or not they can actually go there in their writing. And, uh, yeah. and to hear that you guys can't like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I feel like most of my writing in quarantine has been about isolation. And I mean, yeah. like not, not having the, I mean, our newest single, Something's Going On, I wrote about Vanderpump Rules because my wife watches Bravo all the time and I had no outside like perspective on anything other than TV. And so I just put myself in that world. So shouts out to Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So before we let you guys go, because I know you're probably doing a million interviews today. Uh, I have five questions. We started out doing this on the podcast as 10 questions. I realized that's too fucking many. So we dumped <laughs> it down to five. Um, so they're all for you guys to answer as a group. And some of them are going to be kind of like, who is this in the band? And other ones are just kind of like memories. So the first one is, what is your best show memory? And what is your worst show memory? Ooh. Ooh. All right. Okay. Salt Lake City. Is the best one? It was the first one. Well, probably the, was it the Seattle, the ex-porno house was the worst one? The All right. Yeah. That, that yes. one was definitely one of the worst. So All we right, were in we'll Seattle. <laughs> Portland. Or, wait, Portland, or, right? No, we were in Seattle. It was that. in Seattle with the clown strippers. Yeah. Then, oh, then, I was thinking ooh. of the, the ex-porno house. That's what that was. It was Paris Theater. No, apparently it was the one where we got our ears blown out. You're thinking oh, of, uh, you're thinking. I love of- all this. These are all bad stories. Yeah, so we, we drove overnight from San Francisco, or no, San Diego, San Diego mm-hmm. to Seattle on our first tour ever. It was a 12 hour drive. Um, we got there like a couple hours before we had to load in and play. Our set time was like 1 a.m. Yeah. Oh my God. 
so, not a 21 and up venue. We had a, the, <laughs> we weren't even allowed. We had to like tell them like we're playing tonight. Please let us. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Please. Please. The rendezvous. There's actually a video on YouTube of us playing uh, too late at the rendezvous, and I'm still in my short shorts. <laughs> yeah. So so we uh we get there. They don't even let us in the venue, and then we're like, well, we're playing tonight. And they're like, okay, you can be in this venue if you're sitting at this table. So we have to sit outside this table, and my parents. Um, so our neighbors are their best friends, and they have a house in Washington. Nice. So my parents flew out because they're really excited about us touring, and <laughs> so they, they flew out to to, and then they came to Seattle to see us play in Seattle. <laughs> and we arrived, and we looked like garbage, and we were like delusional. Half a lot. <laughs> That's touring, baby. They're like, all right, <laughs> let's let's unlock the doors. You guys can go load in. And keep in mind, we were the late show because the early show was already booked, and. When we're walking in there, all we see is a bunch of clowns that are half naked, <laughs> smoking weed and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Where are it's we? like we're loading in, and there's like four like six foot tall guys in like fishnet stockings with like high heels, and they're just smoking cigarettes, like looking at us like this. I'm like, <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. Bro, I gotta admit, that's probably the worst story I've gotten on this oh, podcast so far. Yeah, we like played seven two, people. So it was, it was my great. parents, our neighbors. Two of their friends that were happened to be out in Seattle, and then and two then, fans, two fans, and I'm then, and then <laughs> but the other thing was that the band that played before us, there was one band that was oh a mother God. or a, a, a husband and wife that were really nice, really good people. Second band, this guy was wearing a cloak the whole time backstage, and he kept he could he fart come up, man. He would come up and yeah. he'd be like, "Did I fart in your drink yet?" And I, <laughs> I, uh, or he's like, "Did I fart on you?" And then he goes, "I just said I said yes because I didn't hear what he said," and I went. Yeah, and then Ross walks in. He goes, "Did I fart on you?" And then Ross goes, "No." I just lifts up his leg and farts on him. And then he kept coming back into the green room and he goes, "Did anyone fart in my ginger ale?" And he came up to us and be like, "Seriously, did you fart in my ginger ale?" Yeah, we're like, oh. we're like, where are we? What is? Yeah. This? Yo, that is the night. You'll remember that shit. Like, like you'll be asleep and just wake up in a cold sweat thinking about that. That yeah. reminds me of this one time we were playing in in Nashville at this place called Twelfth and Porter. We have we have a big following in Nashville. Like that's our second home, and. uh but like we weren't the headliners this night. It was this this other band. I'm not gonna name them because I don't know if they're still doing it. But um, the the sound guy was so nice, and he kept being like, "Guys, like I really like your sound. I want you to use these special German mics that I had flown in. Like you guys will be the first ones to use them." And like I felt bad. I was like, "Nah, dude, I'll, I'll I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to ruin your mic." And he was like, "Nah, dude, you guys are cool." And the band after us went on, and this dude was shit face drunk, and he took the mic off and started spinning it around. And then he shoved it in his mouth and started screaming. And I'm looking at the sound guy, and the sound guy is just staring at the stage like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, I, w- I went over to him, and I like, I elbowed him. I'm like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. The dude like, dropped the mic on stage, spilled whiskey all over it. Like, it was the weirdest fucking night of my life. And so, like, thinking other than that, like, for us, like, we had a show in Birmingham, Alabama, where the headliner dropped out when we got there. And then, so we played to literally no one except for two old ladies who offered us drugs. And then we had to drive the next day for a radio thing to North Carolina. We did the radio thing and then realized there was no show that night. We just drove to North Carolina for like nine, like nine hours for no fucking reason. So we're like, I don't know what there's, I always like the bad stories more than the good ones, but do you have like one that sticks out for you as the good one? Yeah. So that same tour, our first tour in 2017, like, we had played Seattle, Portland, and LA, and like to like ten people at most, and like we were definitely feeling down in the dumps a little bit because we were like, man, we have like 
we have you know tens of thousands of Spotify followers, and we thought that that would translate. We're like, where does it go? Where are these? Yeah. yeah, who are you people? <laughs> yeah, so we got to Salt Lake City on a Monday night at Kilby Court. Have you played Kilby Court? No, but I've always heard that Salt Lake City crowds turn the fuck off. Oh, dude, Mormons, Mormons are incredible. They're ready for shows, dude. That's what they do. We so we got to Kilby Court on a Monday night, and we were just all down in the dumps, and like we we're like, ugh. We'll just we'll do this, get it over with. We only got like two more shows left, and like I don't know, like thirty kids or something came out, and they were like screaming Sick. our words. And that was when we were like, "Oh my, we're yeah. like two thousand miles away from home." People it's know our always when you're ready to end the tour that there's like yeah. one show that just like pumps you the fuck up. Yeah. Ear ringing screams, and we're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> That's also where we met a band called the Solarists, who are from mm-hmm. um, Provo, and. Sweet. We ended we up, them. like, we've, we've like been great friends spots. with them ever since that show. We've toured with them, um, done, like, small tours with them on the West Coast and stuff. Oh, uh, sweet. For, for me, personally, I think, and I think the guys, like, also loved it, too, is we were lucky enough to sell out uh, last year two nights at House of Independence. Bang and It's, like, to, you know, be grinding all over the country, and then, like, you are really trying in Jersey really hard, and to finally, like, see it, you know, it's, like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, a thousand people come out for us. This is like unfathomable. That first like hometown sellout, and not like a small venue, like your big venue. Like I remember we did the we did right before quarantine because we sold out a lot of shit in Philadelphia. But like we did uh, the Foundry, the Fillmore. Yeah. Like right before quarantine started, which was fun too, because like the downstairs venue has is like a two thousand cap room, and the upstairs is like a thousand, and both were sold out. But downstairs was a rapper named G Herbo from uh, Chicago, and Lil Uzi Vert was in the green room too. Oh, nice! I don't smoke weed, but I was so fucking fried. Just (laughs) (laughs) rappers smoke different weed, dude. I don't know. Um, So let's go. We got a couple more here. Uh, Who in the band spends the most time on their phone? Their phone. Who's the biggest social media guy who never puts their phone down? I'd say, I mean, I definitely post the most on social media, but I'm not, like, glued to my phone. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd say that. You're definitely, like, the guy who's always, like, tinkering with stuff on, like, you're on your phone, monitoring everything, or and, on like, computer, yeah, or making, spreadsheets or making us have floating heads and all the, that. The goddamn spreadsheet master over here, dude. <laughs> all right, okay, hold on. Quick question. You, you, you said you, had, you were sending out thousands of emails and everything. And I don't know if you still are. Have, did you use mail merge ever? No, dude, I literally did this in the grimiest, most DIY way oh, ever. Okay. I, was, I was doing that. This is just a shout out. Any independent band trying to book their own stuff, look up Mail Merge. It changed my life. And of course, I found out how to use it the second that we got a booking agent. So it wasn't really applicable. Mail Merge is like, you just make a spreadsheet and it's like venue, 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 venue. And then like oh, Mail Merge, it's like one button and you could do like insert venue name, insert city, insert date. So you just have to write one template email. And then you can just insert from your spreadsheet and it'll send out all those individual emails for dude, you. Dude, for a dude in my 20s, I basically have an 80-year-old's brain when it comes to working in spreadsheets <laughs> and like Excel and shit. I don't know. Um, all right, so we got two more here. You can try uh, outsourcing it on Fiverr. That's also dude, <laughs> no, I'm lucky. I got Erica, who is the other vocalist in the band, who is the yeah. is the stickler for like organization. So right. one of us does. <laughs> one does. Um, all right. So ooh. Who is the band you'd like to tour with the most? Ooh, like fantasy band or fantasy like, band? Yeah. I would say Bombay Bicycle Club. That would be ooh, that would be a good tour too. Also, our friends, the Greeting Committee, actually got oh. to tour with them, 
And I was like, yeah. Oh, but you dude. see your friends doing better than you, and you're like, I'm so happy. <laughs> Fuck you guys. You. I know, dude. I do. <laughs> um, the greeting committee, they toured with uh, friends of ours from Canada, Arkells. And- yeah, we saw them. At, okay. uh, was it Bowery? No, it wasn't Bowery. It was uh, another ballroom. What was it called? Is it Grammar, uh, Gramercy Theater? Yes. It, yeah, dude. Fucking Arkells. We played shows with Arkells. They are awesome dudes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, huge in Canada. Canada. They do arenas and stuff. Yo, that was legitimately a thing, too. Like, people were in Philly from Canada for the show. And Whoa. we were, like, we were at the bar after just to get drinks before we went back to the green room. And these, like, Canadians came up. And they were like, do you know how big Arkells are in Canada? And I was like, I'm finding out quickly. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> It was Irving Plaza. That we saw that. Irving Plaza. Yeah, that's it. Oh, Irving Plaza. They're like renovating that or something right now. I don't yeah, think it's well, and no venues. Up. What the fuck am I talking about? Um, <laughs> what bands are like currently heavily in rotation for you guys? Like, who have you been listening to a lot? Uh, definitely since the pandemic started, lots of idols and parquet courts. Like, dude, idols are just. Wait, are you saying idols? I D L E S. Yes. For- Yo, let's go! I didn't know anybody else fucking knew idols. So my brother, my brother is like a huge. He like grew up in Vermont, and he was like, he went to a very like crazy art school, and he comes. He like one of the times he came and saw us in Boston, and he goes, "Gotta listen to this band, Idols." And we were like, "What?" And then he sat in the van with us and he started blasting we're like yo these guys are crazy yo and there's so much shit like that coming out of you like europe right now are you guys familiar with oh my god this band from from uh ireland who the fuck is this um oh the band was fontaine's dc is the band from fontaine's dc they're so cool oh my fucking god yo shout out to europe for all the rock and roll you're putting out right now also on rotation for me is oliver tree just released this whole album Yo, I can't get into how Oliver Tree. He yeah. drives me. The, the, he's like a living meme, yeah, and I'm just like, this dude is like. I feel like if a record label right now could design a human being to be a musician, it would be Oliver Tree. Like, yeah. I don't know what. Like, and it's catchy. It's all catchy, but like, I can't get behind it for some reason. And I, I, I want to. I want to like the music, yeah. but I can't do it. I also understand the aspect of not being into him at the same time while I'm listening. You definitely have to respect his grind because he had another project that he started that didn't do so well. And then he was like, I'm going to reinvent myself. Oh, he did. And he did that. Yeah. When he was like, I don't know, 23, 24 or something. And like, man, I'm only 22. So whenever I get down in the dumps, I'm like, if all goes wrong, I could just all retreat myself. Yeah. You're going to start vaping with a bowl cut and a (laughs) couple of hot Cheetos. All right, so last question before I let you guys go. What's the ultimate goal for the rest of the year, and then how excited for you to get back on the road next year? Mm. Ultimate goal for the end of this year. Well, we originally thought we would be touring by the end of the year, but that's not the point. Um, So I guess once this album is released, we're going to continue to promote it as much as we can. We do live streams every Thursday. Well, we try some weeks we can't do it, but I think we're just going to keep that up. I think also just start writing again. Yeah, yeah. and a boy. There's no other really besides being an online presence. You just gotta keep writing right now. It's the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Once we we just been so focused on this album, making sure it's gonna hit right, and mm-hmm. so now it's just like once we get to that, it's like all right, let's keep rolling. What's the next thing? Yeah. We'll do whatever we can do to help throw this album out there. Like I said, this is coming out right before the album comes out. So. Uh, dude, Happy Fits, Luke, Ross, Calvin. This has been fucking spectacular. I can't wait to see you guys live when this is all over. Uh, everybody, go spin the record. What could be better? It's out tomorrow. Guys? Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. <laughs> all right, guys. I'll talk to you soon, all right? Thank you, sir.